0: This is Brian Green's program. It's not the Green Green Prime program. This is Pat <laughs> Chun's favorite hire because it is his hire. If it was your hire, you'd probably like it more because it'd be your hire. But it's not your hire. It's Pat Chun's hire. It's the Brian Green program. Yeah, kind of fumbled it, but do you All know right. where that's from?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't, but that's okay.
0: come on man from the 90s i know i should know it's from the 90s famous canadian who is not like uh, do you remember tom green
1: oh yeah i forgot about that guy
0: so it's it was it was a play on his theme song
1: yeah that's right that's right the tom green show yeah i I was not
0: so rose and fell like so fast
1: So fast. And so like my thing with, with him. And so this is like, just like, you may not know this about me, even though we're friends, we don't watch, you know, we don't watch a lot of like movies programming, you know, like we don't, we don't watch that kind of stuff together. Typically we talk about the Cougs, you know, whatever. I have a real, like, I have a hard time with things that are awkward and that was so like like uh, in fact I was just talking with my students about we, we were doing a thing on comedy because they're reading a Midsummer Night's Dream. We're talking about all the different kinds of comedy. And, you know, so I used uh, Meet the Parents as an example of like comedy of manners, which is, of course, all these like social norms that get broken in the movie. Right. It's like 90 percent of the humor in that movie. And so, um, so anyway, I was just telling him, like, I have this real problem with awkward, you know, every, like every Ben Stiller movie is like, except for maybe like Zoolander is like just him being like totally awkward and embarrassed. And so Tom green just kind of, if I remember right, he made uh he sort of made a living out of either being awkward himself or making other people feel very awkward and embarrassed. And yeah, and that may be why I wasn't a big Tom green fan.
0: Yeah, I was, uh. I was a bit younger, so, you know, I think I watched MTV, like, almost all the time back then, so yeah. I would watch everything, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was, he had, a quite a rise, like, he was pretty famous for, like, a couple years, maybe, he like, was. a year, and married Drew Barrymore. And, and didn't he get
1: sick? Like, wasn't that, like, didn't he get yeah, I think he had cancer, cancer or something? And then yeah, he kinda I think disappeared. he had
0: cancer, and, yeah, I mean, maybe he's got a thriving career in Canada still, I don't know.
1: Maybe, maybe he does. I don't know it's possible hey welcome to podcast versus everyone
0: yeah welcome to podcast versus everyone uh this is Craig Powers and apparently the number one Tom Green fan on the show and the number two Tom Green fan on the show is Jeff Nooser how
1: you doing Jeff I'm good by default
0: by default you you either got to be
1: number one or number two that's true I will always be number two (laughs) see what i did there that's comedy people that is comedy at its finest
0: yeah that so you probably don't like the office especially the
1: early seasons very much so it's not a didn't like thing i just never like i i don't watch a lot of shows like that's kind of like I devote most of my spare time of TV watching to sporting events. So I just don't watch, I don't watch a lot of TV and, and then like whatever other spare time I have is my children and grading papers and whatever. So, um, so it's, it wasn't a, like, I didn't like it thing. It was just a, I never really made time for it thing. Um, that one's not like, at least from the shows that I watched, it, it wasn't like painfully uncomfortable
0: okay like, well um watch a season five episode c- called scott's tots okay and then, and then check back with me <laughs>
1: okay all right well yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll do that maybe that'll be horribly uncomfortable so, uh, and uh, amanda and
0: i even though that show yeah i the I, I i like the awkward comedy but it gets amanda and i we have rewatched the office like dozens and dozens of times we did it we were doing that before there was netflix and we had to do it on dvd i i remember <laughs> when we were like living in seattle we had like the first three seasons and on dvd and we would just watch them repeat it so we were we were like the because i think the office is like number one on netflix every single month yeah in ter- like in terms of watched like hours i believe that funny. um but yeah so but yeah, the season five episode called Scott's Tots we always skip. We just can't handle it. It's too awkward.
1: Too it's, much even for you?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, if you want to feel really uncomfortable, watch that one. Uh, but yeah, so um, what are you drinking?
1: I you're gonna you're gonna be proud of me, Craig. I'm drinking a barley wine. Ooh. I picked up a uh, Sukaba from firestone walker very good this is the uh 2019 vintage i probably could have left it sitting in my fridge for two or three years but i didn't decided to have it and i think uh, i some
0: 2015 Sukaba down in the basement
1: still sitting there yeah <laughs> maybe 2014 <laughs> i don't know yeah no it's uh yeah so i don't uh i don't I don't know honestly, and maybe this is like confessional time. I don't know that I've actually ever had a barley wine, unless I had one with you and I don't remember. You probably did. It's I, possible. Definitely... It's possible. But anyway, so uh, maybe this was. I I don't know if I've ever had one of my own volition, and so uh, so this is the first for me. So this is uh yeah 2019 Sukaba, um, very bourbony. Uh, yeah, it's
0: hot. I bet it's it is.
1: So fresh. It, it is actually <laughs> In my first sip. I was like, Whoa, wow. <laughs> that's a little, that's almost like taking a shot of bourbon, uh, is about, about how it tastes. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure. So, so you can tell me like, so the longer it sits, is that, does that sort of mellow out on, on the beer? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that it,
0: it typically, um, in your fridge it'll probably hold on longer if you have it in like a cellar at like a lower temp it i mean a higher temp it might might even out fast but yeah that, you, if you leave it in the bottle um typically some of that heat will reside but the hot beers will will always be hotter you know like the 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 the, the spirit doesn't the spirit uh f- like impact doesn't uh, fade away that fast but yeah that's pretty um it's pretty standard from that beer, any vintage, like especially fresh. It's just really punchy, and and that I think that got released just a few, like maybe a couple months ago. So yeah, it wasn't that yeah. long
1: ago. I've only, yeah. had it for, I've had it for a couple months, is all.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely a fresh beer, and yeah, they they, I mean, Firestone Walker is using, uh, freshly emptied, uh, which is what you're supposed to do for the best results. They're using those freshly emptied barrels, you know, they're taking their barrel program seriously. And, uh, yeah, you're going to get that heat from it. But um, what do you think of that?
1: It's good. I like it. Uh, It's a little... How cold is it
0: right now? uh,
1: So I let it warm up just a little bit. I don't think it's quite... I actually actually got out my instant read thermometer to see what it was. So hold on. I can tell you. Because I was really curious because it said to drink it at 55. So I'm going to... Let's see. I'm going to drop this in here. This makes great radio right here. It is... Fifty three degrees right now. Yeah,
0: yeah, so it'll. It's getting pretty I,
1: close to what they want you to drink it
0: at. Yeah, I think you'll actually like it even a little warmer than that. A little warmer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's a, you know, like I can like the bourbon's really forward. Um, a little chocolate, a little vanilla. It's good.
0: Yeah, barley ones are good. Um Yeah. So interesting. So uh, I have we we have been to Collins Pub together before. Yes, we have. Um, so the original, so Sukaba is a real strange name. Yes. Uh, so actually, uh, the first vintage of that beer came out in 2011 and they called it Abacus. Okay. Um, but there was, they're, they're in the, uh, in Paso Robles in like, uh, wine country. And there was another, uh, winery, uh, called Abacus and they sued them. Uh, to change the name, and so they just reversed the name and called it Sukaba the next year. <laughs> and actually, funny. Collins Pub, I haven't been up there in a, in a mo- like a little while, but they've had they keep you know they'll post their uh, their tap list on uh, Twitter like once or twice a week, and they've had the OG 2011 Abacus on tap for like two or three weeks, and it hasn't. So if you're around there, I man, if 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 anyone's around there. Uh, collins pub maybe you work downtown uh, in seattle uh check it out yeah nice little afternoon barley wine um it's delicious i i yeah. had the 2011 version uh probably three years ago and it was very good it actually won a barley wine competition at um brower's cafe um that the three-year-old keg um over some very good ones but yeah it's um very good beer uh good choice man uh, thanks and it's probably it easier good. now that since like all the older ones i have are in the big bottles but you probably got one in the little bottle with i the little did box. i
1: got i got a little 12 ounce little 12 ounce bottle in a box so
0: another firestone walker add-on here is uh it was um my, my best friend from college who you met in uh pullman um they, they were uh for the spring game but they were um their, it was uh, their youngest daughter's sixth birthday on Saturday, birthday party. And we, so um, they had a little after party after we went to the bounce play. It was called some, some bounce place, you know, uh, inflatable bounce place in, in Tacoma. And we went back to their house and uh, ha- had our typical uh, party um, whenever it's their kids' birthdays. We usually have a, a nice a big party and get drunk afterwards, um, as one should. Um, as one but, does uh, so i like to you know a lot of those friends in that group you know they, they they're they're they they like craft beer but they're not like super super deep into it uh, but i always always like to bring um you know some of my stuff and so i i brought a floodland beer which i've talked about floodland uh before and then i brought um the 2015 the 2015 vintage of firestone walker's anniversary ale which was firestone 19 um so i just you know random pull out the cellar uh so that one was a blend of like four different beers uh two different stouts and uh a quad a barrel aged quad which tends to be bare, very barley wine-ish um and then a, um, a barrel aged brown which is also very barley wine so the end result of this was a very kind of barley wine beer these the blending these four beers um, they do that different blend every year for that one and this 2015 was excellent like I I was very impressed with it so yeah they've done some good stuff um in their barrel program uh they had a a few off years um like one year they brewed their uh, barrel aged Russian imperial star parabola um it actually wasn't even brewed at Farson Walker they are owned by Duvel Mortgott um, who also owns Boulevard Brewing in Kansas City and actually parabola was brewed and barreled and bottled at para- at uh, Boulevard, but it had Firestone Walker branding, and I swear to God the beer was worse that year. Like it, yeah. maybe it's just maybe it's just you know you're projecting because you know, but like it just tasted not right, and and the subsequent vintages have tasted better, but yeah, Sukaba is probably my favorite of their uh, barrel. It's probably most consistently good, and they actually took it away uh, for in 2017, and they brewed this barrel aged brown called Bravo. Which is similar to a barley wine, but just not. It wasn't nearly as good. Um, so I'm glad they brought uh, the uh, Sukaba back. It's a it's a fan favorite.
1: Yeah, it's good. So, so um, what you
0: drinking? Well, no, no, no.
1: Oh okay. wait, I gotta rate it. Yeah. What am, I, what am I rating it out? What am I rating it out of?
0: Hmm 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 hmm. Um. Out of uh, five frivolous lawsuits. How would you rate that beer?
1: Um, We'll go with uh, four and a half frivolous lawsuits. All right, great. (laughs) There's
0: a lot of frivolous. There's a lot of ridiculous lawsuits in beer. I mean, it's just protecting. I'm
1: sure there is. It's protecting
0: branding most of the time, you know. But sometimes it's just in situations where it's like, um, there's there's another example here in the northwest, um, uh, Fremont. Uh, they they make uh, they used to make a, their winter ale was called abominable and hub hub ale works in uh, uh, Portland also had an abominable and they both made a bourbon barrel aged abominable and so when Fremont wanted to move in, in their distribution into Oregon uh, they actually made, had an amicable relationship and they just agreed that they would change the name. So they're abominable, the rate, the, you know, the winter ale was just named winter ale. So if you used to love abominable and you never see it, it's called winter ale now. And then bourbon abominable is now called what kind of people were calling it offhand anyway, called B bomb. And so like, if you have an older, I think pre 2015, uh, 2015, or maybe, maybe it was 2016 was the first year. Um, so if you have before it says bourbon abominable, and if you have like 2016 and after, it says B Bomb on the label. So, it, so it's it's just pretty. They, but they just that that wasn't a lawsuit or anything. They just agreed to change it. You know, they they didn't want to like infringe on their bomb rule well, because it does make it confusing. Because um, uh, I've seen. Like bourbon barrel H abominable on tap at a bar, but it's actually the hub version, which is not nearly as good as the Fremont version. <laughs> like so, it's actually Hub is benefiting from that branding confusion because is yeah. not as good. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a. I'm totally on a, a off topic here.
1: Well, it's but always uh, nice when people can get along. And yeah, play. yeah, it's yeah. Especially in a, unlike you know, uh, unlike a story we didn't get to last week, which was uh, No Lie going up against Goose Island who. Created their own born and raised beer after, <laughs> after Nolai built their entire, you know, pretty much their entire uh, beer around the standard born and raised well, IPA.
0: And it's like, yeah, and Goose Island has the might of and has a bush in-bev behind right. them and the the law, like the lawyering. Right. Lawyer. So Nolai,
1: Nolai no has no chance to sue. Yeah, it, anything. Yeah. If AB is like. No, we don't want to change it, then no lie is pretty stuck.
0: Yeah. It's a yeah. Yeah. Um, that'll be interesting, but um, but uh well, um I guess I'll get to what I'm drinking. Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, so I'm I'm repping the uh the two five three, repping my my adopted city and my daughter's hometown tonight. Uh, with uh, probably one of my favorite breweries and one of the best breweries. Uh, wild ale producing breweries like on the west coast if not the entire country um, and that's Engine house 9 which actually oh, yeah. the brewery goes by e9 brewing now um, so they've kind of split the brewing branding off of the bar
1: interesting and they
0: and they have a, a they have a, a new tap room and new brewery called e9 Brewing um and it's it's in the the designated brewery district in Tacoma um on Fawcett Avenue I would highly recommend it great spot a uh, great new spot do it yourself charcuterie usually good food trucks and then great E9 beer yeah they just serve E9 beer there and some ciders and stuff but uh yeah it's you know that place is 21 plus so I don't get to go there as much but um but it's a it's a great spot but yeah the um the uh, beer that I'm drinking is one of the first they released from that new facility. Um, I, I assume it was um, it was mostly it was brewed at the old facility, which was the old one was like a seven barrel system. And it was just in the side of that restaurant. If you've ever, I know you've been there in, um, in, in the old firehouse. Uh, but their new system is over twice as big. It's 15 barrel system, and they'll be able they'll be able to crank out a lot more. And they've bought they have so much more space for oak barrels, which is what they their bread and butter. That's what they love to do make um, kind of oak aged uh, wild ales and saisons. Um, and, and yeah, it's just a beautiful space now with all those barrels and um, everything. So highly recommend checking it out if you're in the area. Um, but they, they really lean into the Tacoma branding too. They made their own like Tacoma logo and you can get this like black with gold writing, like the front of the shirt just says Tacoma and it says E9 on the back. Um, I definitely want one of those, but they, uh, they sold pretty quickly and they've told me they're going to get some more in, but, um, I'm looking forward to one of those, um, but, uh, yeah, so the brew, the beer I'm drinking is one of the first that was released. Uh, now they're doing their beer releases at the brewery, which is a lot easier than doing it at a restaurant. It just confuses the people that are in there for breakfast, and there's, like, beer nerds coming in being like, I want this beer, you know. But, no, so now um, this one's called uh, Les, Chalmes, Les Chalmers. Uh, Les Chalmers. <laughs> um, I can't pronounce French. Um, but uh, it is... Uh, Multi, multiple-year, barrel-aged, blended wild ale with apricot and peaches from the Yakima Valley. Um, so I got my hometown wrapped and my new town wrapped all in one beer. Um, Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you Yeah, this winning. Is, uh, yeah, heck yeah. And, yeah, they got this new logo on this. They got new branding on the bottle. So on one side, it has the name of the beer. It's just this block lettering, white, just big E9, and then um, smaller lettering, all, all caps, Lechalmers, fruited american wild ale and on the other side they have this sort of like peach label that they're doing where it has the notes so that they've just leaned into new branding and i like the new branding it fits um their their qual- level of quality and their their kind of um their modern approach to some classic styles and everything i think i think it's a really good move for them i'm really excited about what they can do with that big facility um because like i said i think they're one of the best at what they do um, yeah. definitely under the radar uh, too which is great like i their beer is not hard to find even their 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 small like i have some batches of their beer like i have some beers of theirs that are like let like a hundred bottles or less like and and it was i just walked in and bought it and it's like a world-class beer and so it's just like you know it's not that it's like it's easy to come by but it's just uh, it's phenomenal beer um it's kind of they've kind of taken me away since i've moved to tacoma my love for them has grown it's kind of just made me kind of realize i, I don't need to wait in line as much for like sorry holy mountain but holy mountains like fruited sours because e9s are typically as good or even better for the same style of beer um and it's easier for me to just go down to tacoma boys or go to e9 and and buy uh buy uh um, buy the bottles there and so it's it's super nice uh, i i have a I have a big love for them. I I hope that they stay. Um, You know, they're. I hope they do well enough, but uh, don't get too popular so I don't have to wait in line there ever. Um, But yeah, so so yeah, E9 is great. This beer is right on point as usual. Just great flavor from the stone fruit. Um, Apricot is very present. Peach is there as well. Um, uh, There's uh with the stone fruit you can get the acidity can really start overpowering but this one is is balanced it's well done the nose is just like straight up like uh, like you just cut open a ripe peach like it's so nice or a ripe apricot like it's just beautiful like and and uh yeah this is well done it's like a perfect level of carbonation and uh like it's i assume it's, they didn't force carbonate just naturally carbonated from from the yeast and they, i'm sure they bottle it with some uh, wild yeast as well that helps build it up but yeah just uh I, I highly recommend them just across the board especially if you like sours and saisons um they, they do make some shirts that say keep tacoma sour so they love that they embrace the tacoma branding um and the sour branding so yeah um i guess i could fawn over them um i have a ton of their beers uh this is the first one i picked out i'm sure i'll drink another one on the show again because uh, i guess we're going to be doing this for a while it seems if we're still <laughs> doing it, we're still doing them and uh in late may uh yeah so. we are
1: going strong early, early june sorry <laughs> early june it is june dude and we even as like people will find out we even have coog stuff to still talk about <laughs> it's the beginning this, of june
0: this, this may be our last piece of news for it might be it two, might be maybe till fall camp starts it might I hope- be well, truthfully, I, I hope it is. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, like, like I'm not that, sure what you know, other kind you know, of happened. news we could get. Yeah,
0: I don't think it'd be a good thing. If no,
1: pretty much all that's left now is for uh, people to get arrested. And we're kind of like, yeah, I, I don't just, want that. So, really want to talk so about yeah. that anyway, anyway, finish, finish. How many, how many, uh, whatever's out of, how many new E9s out of E9s? Oh, how many
0: know. new E9s? Ni- this is five, five. E nines out of five E9s. So that's there you go. E E forty five.
1: Yeah. I have a hard time with E9 though, because every time I hear it, I think error right fielder. Am I the only one who who feels who Probably not. Who thinks that? Probably
0: not, but it's easier to say than engine house night.
1: It, de- it definitely is. And I and I get why they would do it, because it's like it was just
0: natural. People were calling it that anyway.
1: I mean, we called it E nine. So we used to go there when, uh, so when I was in grad school at UPS, we would go there and kick back a couple because it was just down the street. So, um, and we called it E nine, but it just, it, I don't know. It just always struck me as funny.
0: Well, now that's it. Just a, you just get a big E nine on every beer. Just big E nine. So, you error. get used Brent to it, user. <laughs> All right. Speaking of baseball baseball uh wsu once again has
1: has a baseball baseball coach coach. yeah Yeah. how about that
0: all right man i'm gonna i'm gonna uh turn it over to you because you've done some nice research on this on this guy um his name is brian green if you didn't catch the if you didn't catch the intro um if you fast forward through the beer nonsense and you missed the intro
1: that's right
0: uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, Jeff, uh, um, I mean, just my first, imp- my impression from what I've read from you and what I've read is that it's, um, that it Pat Chun is es- establishing, um, a pattern here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so. You know, he's looking for, uh, you know, guys with a, with a track record of success that that's kind of what it looks like. Um, you know, guys who, I, I, one of the things that, that Chun really talked about when he hired Kyle Smith was that um, he really looked at what was successful for Wazoo in the past and and really thought about that when he was thinking about, you know, who to hire for, um, you know, for the basketball position. And I thought, you know, that's, I mean, that's really smart. Right. You know, is to think about, okay, so you're at a unique place. And, and I think, you know, again, who knows, you know, we said this a million times already. I mean, who knows if these hires work out. Right. But it's also like, okay, so as a fan, as a fan of the school, I'm more interested in process. Right. Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously results matter the most, but you know, obviously before you get to the results, I think you want to feel good about the process. And, you know, when I listen to Pat Chen talk and I, you know, and I, I listen to him, you know, say, you know, what he was looking for and how he was looking into things like, you know, with basketball, he's like, you know, I called Tony Bennett. I talked to George Raveling, you know, and, and talked to Kelvin Sampson. It's like, you know, that's, I mean, that's really smart. Right. And this is a guy who, before he went, um, you know, to FAU was pretty much a lifer at Ohio State. So about the only thing that Ohio State and Washington State have in common is that they are land grant universities. That's it. (laughs) Because it's like, you know, Ohio State has many more things in common with, say, Washington than it does with Washington State as, you know, sort of the major university in the state and all that stuff, right? So, you know, for him to spend pretty much his entire career there and then go to a place that doesn't really have, you know, any athletic tradition so to speak. Um and then to come here and and, and really sort of understand seemingly pretty quickly that this this little you know, pretty different place um and not that that is necessarily a limitation but a strength. And, you know, you get a guy like Kyle Smith and he's excited about, you know, coming to a college town, his wife's from Eastern Washington, all this stuff. Right. And then when you hear, you, you know, Brian Green talk, the new baseball coach, you know, he is like beyond excited to be here. And, and it really is sort of a crazy thing because I think a lot of our fans and I think this is changing, but I think, you know, our fans have a pretty long tradition of of talking down the program, or just our, our athletic department in general, right? We don't have the money. We don't have this. We don't have that. We can't do whatever, right? And, you know, he hires these guys who are successful mid majors and who are excited to be here. And they've already, you know, done the thing that they're going to need to do at Wazoo, which is, you know, do more with fewer resources. And as much as we sort of, like I said, some people sort of lament it. It's like, no, okay, that's a reality. That's fine. But it's like we don't look at that as like, oh, that means we can't succeed or we can't compete and you know, so you take guys like, you know, Mike Leach who wants a challenge, right? You know, he's trying to get back into football. He wants a challenge. You take a guy like Kyle Smith who wants a challenge and, you know, has never been at, at this level of basketball before as a coach. And so he's excited to be here. And then you take a guy like Brian Green, who, you know, was at New Mexico state, you know, Las Cruces, I've never been to Las Cruces, but I can't imagine it's the nicest place on earth, you know, so he's excited to come to the PAC 12. I mean, I think, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, the other thing is, and this is kind of the last thing, I'll turn it back to you, you know, is that it seems like with each of these hires, they're they've been really well received, not just by fans who are, you know, sort of prone to, oh, it's the new guy, he's gonna be great, um, but people in, you know, in the industry, right? You know, I mean, I don't know college baseball that well, but I've seen, you know, a number of tweets from people who are pretty deep into college baseball who are like, oh, it's a great hire, great hire for Washington State. I'm like. You know, I think people said, okay, Marty Lee's a good hire, but I don't remember people being quite as effusive as they have been with this. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting. The guy, you know, did a really great job at New Mexico State and, uh, you know, produced more high level, more uh, high draft picks at New Mexico State than we've produced in the last 15 years. And so I think all those things point to a guy who knows how to identify talent, develop it. And I, I think that's paramount for Washington State.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I saw an interview with him. He was in he was in the airport, uh, uh, one of the um, the local newspapers down in New Mexico uh, that he had previously told uh, that reporter that he wouldn't leave um, his alma mater, uh, New Mexico State, uh, uh, as in, uh, in unless it was a Pac-12 or SEC program, basically. So, you know, that's a pretty pretty i think a smart way to do it like hey i'm available that's like i think on linkedin you can set like certain settings like you can say like i'm not looking but i'm open like and so like it'll tell recruiters that you're open to be contacted but like you're not looking for a job and so he kind of put that out there you know pac 12 or sec school and uh maybe pat chun saw that maybe you know it came under his radar i think um, he looks at those things I, I i i think it's well documented now the the nerd ball story is what caught his eye um for kyle smith at usf so uh you know who knows what he saw and uh um yeah and, and you know brian green said uh you know coming to watch the dream come true um he's saying that to the the uh las cruces press and so he's not saying that an oppressor for wsu so right. you know it's 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 you know like you said he's excited um yeah impressive uh resume uh you know took uh, uh 30 plus wins uh which uh you noted that wsu has won 27 in the last two seasons
1: combined <laughs> um,
0: combined <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, 30 plus wins and, um, and NCAA regional appearance at a place that was in a pretty, pretty similar position, um, as WSU is now, um, in, in terms of relative to their conference and the number of games they were winning and all that. Um, so, uh, it's a good hire because, um, from what I understand, uh, New Mexico state is building a new um facility for baseball as well and and so he had reasons to stay there um it's his you know he, he went to school there and you know it, he he had a chance to you know build that into you know his own little you know powerhouse but um you know chun sold him on wsu and and uh, that's that's pretty great
1: Yeah, it's I'm during his uh, I haven't had a chance to watch much of, uh, you know, his introduction conference today, Um, but I do know that I did see a piece where he got almost a little bit emotional kind of talking about the opportunity. Um, and when, uh, somebody kind of talked to him afterwards and, and got him talking about it again, you know, he started talking about the guys who, who have been in Washington state, you know, he referenced Bobo Brayton, which of course is always a, a big winner for our crowd. And, but, yeah. but he did it in a, in a totally, you know, authentic way. Like he was like, no, this is a place that has been awesome. And there have been some amazing, you know, people and coaches and players who have come through here. Um, you know, and he wants to be a part of that again. And he, he actually was getting a little emotional talking about being a part of that. And I'm not sure, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I'm like, I'm not sure how many Cougs get emotional talking about it. Uh, maybe a little bit, maybe after a few beers, maybe after watching the back home video, um, <laughs> when, uh, you know, when Leon Bender's there with a rose in his mouth or Steve Gleason winks at you, you know, I mean, not, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that makes me get a little teary eyed, but, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe some other people, Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, just, uh, I don't know, like, there's just something about seeing a guy who really wants to be here. And, you know, you, again, it's, you know, I mean, Kook fans sort of beat this drum about the basketball search. Like nobody's going to want this job. Nobody who's any good would ever take this job. And I'm just like, you know, why do we do this? Well, and then, you know, Kyle Smith gets here and he's just like, no way, man, this is amazing. Like I am, you know, he's talking about like all the resources he's got here compared to where he was at. And I'm just like, you know, yeah, like we, we focus too much on what we don't have. And, you know, and of course this guy, you know, Brian Green's going to get, uh, he's going to be the beneficiary of a new, uh, you know, of a new, of a new facility over there at, at bubble Brighton field. So, and,
0: and, a uh, pretty sizable okay. raise, yeah, and a pretty, pretty sizable size. race.
1: He got a two and a, about two and a half times what he was making down there in New Mexico. So um and he's making quite a bit more than Marty Lees was making. So Marty Lees was making two fifty, he's making three fifteen, at least according to the to the report. And uh so that's 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 a pretty big you know, it's pretty big step up for him and a uh, pretty big step up for us, and and you know, and I hope it works. I mean, I think uh, it's funny. I don't think very many of us watch, you know, the baseball games, but I think we, I think a lot of our fans kind of follow it, you know, because we do have right. such a such a deep and rich tradition, and and it really doesn't take much for, uh, you know, just a little bit of winning. I think gets people pretty interested in the baseball program. So, you know, hopefully well, yeah, he'll we, be able to work some magic.
0: We we saw this um, on Cook Center back when. Cook center was a lot smaller in terms of readership
1: uh
0: when first couple of years yeah when you know when uh uh, donnie Marba took the team to uh, a couple of regionals and particularly the arkansas one where they got to the you know they were one game from the super regional yep um and there was dugout girls and
1: uh that's right forgot uh, about that
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, go back and read those threads. Oh
1: my gosh, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, fun story that is f- how those threads are how Mark Sandrider found Kook Center, um, uh, which is funny. Um, uh, but if if you guys don't know him, he uh, he's been a writer at Cook Center for well almost since then.
1: And, <laughs> Pretty
0: uh, much. And he yeah he he does at least one post a week uh, now. Yeah, he does it's
1: our, our Monday morning post. Monday
0: morning post, but has been a lot more. Uh, you, you may remember from the wide receiver posts a few years back, which were great. And but, but anyway, so but yeah, so people found us because uh, they were looking for content about the baseball team. Um, I remember when I first started write like we were like okay let's just like let's write about the baseball team, and I would just write these like joke. Um, like kind of these like, uh, joke stories about them, like, um, and, uh, then people, people actually started wanting to read about them. So we had to actually write like real articles about the, the games. And, uh, but yeah, so we just saw, we got, when they were in regionals, like that was a pretty sizable amount of Coug fans that were, that cared about that. And and I guarantee you if WSU went even deeper into the tournament, you get a lot of alums. I, I was, uh, I was at a, um, uh, a soccer game in, in Tacoma. The, we talked about the Rain FC last week, but I, uh, uh, B and I were able to secure some club tickets. And before the, the match, uh, they had the UW softball uh, game on, and they're in the Women's College World Series. And there was people in there just like glued to the TV watching it. And, and like, you imagine like, yeah, it'd be fun if WSU had softball because it, it's the same situation. Cook fans will get really fired up. And in, in baseball, they'll get fired up because people know baseball. Baseball is a major sport in the U.S. Like they can adapt to it. They can they can come around to it pretty qu- quickly. College baseball is not as big as football and basketball. But people know baseball. They Most people played baseball when they were kids. Uh, they know the game. They know what's going on and, and they love when their, their school is attached to it. So yeah, there can be a lot of passion around the baseball team. I think if, if they start getting good and and people know when they're really bad and, and they get excited when they're really good. So hopefully, uh, you know, maybe in a few years, uh, we'll, we'll be able to be a little bit more excited again.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, he, uh, he did it in New Mexico state in two years, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I, I am curious to see how, uh, How much of the roster stays intact, um, you know, simply because, uh, you know, obviously you bring in a new guy. And baseball is sort of weird because, you know, the majority of those guys sign early. Um, And so they, you know, if you make a, you know, you make a change in, you know, June, right, or May. I mean, obviously, you know, Lees was fired, whatever, two weeks ago. Um, You know, you make that change in late May I mean, there's it's not like a basketball situation where you've kind of got time to shop around and kind of figure out, okay, maybe I don't want to go there. Maybe I actually want to look around, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just not a lot of time, (laughs) you know? I mean, it's, you know, it's June 5th and they just hired a new guy. I mean, you don't get a chance to like meet him. You don't get a chance to talk to him. Um, you know, so I don't know, you know kind of how much opportunity there is for I know Marty Lee's you know made a lot of changes his first year um you know and I think that obviously didn't work, didn't work out real great for him um so I you know I don't know I I do know that uh when Green took over at New Mexico State he he took over a fairly young roster there as well I'm going to write about that you know hopefully uh, maybe early next week but took over a pretty young roster there as well didn't make a lot of changes Um, they won 11 games, which obviously is not very many. Um, and then it was a pretty senior heavy team. So a lot of those seniors graduated. It was that second year where he had a ton of turnover. He only actually had three guys stick around from his first year to his second year, but the guys that he recruited went out and won 34 games. So, you know, hopefully that's the kind of situation we're looking at. He inherits a very, very young roster um, I think, you know, it, it was f- his last couple classes have been fairly well regarded by recruiting services. So, and again, I don't follow it that closely. So I don't know how many of those guys are still around, but yeah, I mean, I think there's some hope that, you know, with some, with some good coaching, uh, with some development that, uh, you know, that, that, maybe a, a fairly quick turnaround can be executed and i think that's another sort of uh, maybe similarity between this and and the change that chen made in basketball you know i don't i don't know if i totally agree with this but you know pat chen said that you know there was he felt like there was there was plenty of talent on the basketball team and that coaching was the issue um i don't know if he still feels that way now that you know, like, you know, they basically turned over half the roster. Right. Um, But C.J. Allaby's coming back, and I think that was more the the thing that he was referring to. You know, and maybe that's the way he felt here as well, that, you know, making a change with a roster that was fairly young, you know, was better than making a change with, uh, you know, with a bunch of exiting players because, you know, you've got some guys who, you know he feels like can play and you bring in the right coach and then you're you're sort of off and running. So I, I don't know if that was a similar thought press or not like I said I, I didn't watch today's comments so I don't know if Chun said anything to that effect today um, during the during the introduction but but you know I mean I, I think that's something that's you know that's at least a little similar from the basketball move.
0: Yeah um, and it's just uh, it, it's similar to the basketball move in that it's just you you maybe hadn't heard of the guy before which with baseball honestly would have been anyone (laughs) pretty much anybody. Uh, but uh i mean and we had heard of kyle smith but it was really it like once you dig into these guys resumes you just get more and more oppressed and and so it's just there you start to be more impressed with them and then uh, the similarity of, of being sold on WSU and their ability to win here. Um, I, I, it's being a dead horse, but like, if you look back at the the higher, like the major hires that Moose made, Moose made um, some very good hires in, um, um, obviously, in Mike Leach, uh, but even Mike Leach, uh, I think getting Mike Leach was more about getting the name and less about getting the the um, like. I think uh moose was a little more name driven and that's so he figured oh ernie Kent, people have heard of him and yeah. so i'll we'll hire him um and uh and maybe there was marty lisa's attachment to oregon state i, I don't know how, why you know what happened there but um but yeah like like i just think like he, he was looking for these sizzle hires as he would say um that and he would also say that he was his own coaching Search, uh, you know, company or whatever,
1: right? I, so, I am the search firm,
0: he's the search firm, and so, uh, but obviously, uh, Chun is here looking for input from anyone that will provide it or yeah. anyone reputable that will provide it, and and uh, I think it's led to some just um, on the face, some uh, more thought out and uh, um, kind of hires that you can see. Like, well, you can see uh, what why they were made. Like, it, there's there's success in this guy at a place where there wasn't um, success before. You know, he's looking for builders, and he, you know, it looks like he got another builder. Obviously, I think Smith had more of a record because he did it twice. Yeah. Um, but Green has just done it once. But I think maybe the connections of Green to the recruiting on the West Coast, um, uh, having been at UCLA, and, and, and just uh, that that's probably another notch in his belt. And and, and so, uh, you know, he's he's kind of um, people see him as a good recruiter. So having that plus, you know, being a, a builder um, and that's what we need at WSU. We need guys that can build programs, um, make them sustainable.
1: Yep, that's you know, that's that's the key. And, you know, you got to have people who can do it a certain way. And, and like I said, I think that's, that's the thing that's sort of impressing me the most about Chun is that he, he seems to pretty quickly have, uh, have understood like, you know, again, this is a different place. You got to look for a different kind of coach. Um, you can't just, you know, mail it in as, you know, maybe his predecessor did. And, and the hilarious part of that is that his predecessor should have known better than anybody, right. What it takes to win at at Washington state. And so, um, yeah, I mean, again, who knows if these work out. But you know the process seems sound, um, and you know so I just you know I hope he got it right.
0: Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, let's just have nothing but winning sports to write about, and that would be dude. Great. That would be so awesome, and talk about that would be so awesome. Yeah, we would just we'll just be you know just uh, be one of those uh, programs. I mean we've we've got some some good programs. Uh, obviously, you know rowing. Uh, soccer um, tennis had a great year volleyball has been doing well Uh, so we we have some programs that have been building um, and football obviously um, but like but some major sports the women's basketball men's basketball and baseball have just fallen by the wayside and it would be great to have those kind of more um, visible sports uh, uh, be uh, good or at least Uh, watchable.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's our standard is pretty low, right? I mean, just cause it's funny, like we're going through, you know, with the exception of men's basketball and baseball and women's basketball, like you just talked about, um, we're kind of going through a renaissance with a lot of other sports, right? You know, soccer is, is really good. Volleyball is really good. Um, you know, track and field is, you know, good as they've been, you know, I mean, swimming is, you know, on, on the ups. I mean, it tennis, you know, had their best season in quite a while this year. So there's like all these really good things going on. And it's like, it's like, Oh my God, tennis made the NCAA tournament. And it's like, man, you look at some of the other schools in the pac 12 and they're like, this is, like, every year. This is what we do every year. It's like, hey, hey, you know what? Don't rain
0: yeah, like, on our
1: parade here.
0: I can't remember the number, but I think UCLA just won, like, their eighth softball national title or something like that. Yeah. Like, it, so, like, uh, yeah, we, we're, we especially in the California programs and UW as well, um, there's just, like, a history of, like, uh, the, the, the non, like, non-football non-men's basketball um just like having very dominant programs even especially in the women's sports and that's where you know like the conference of champions things come from Uh, i mean obviously like stanford and ucla i think they have like the hundred titles or whatever i mean uh, there's some of these sports that they're winning titles in where there's just not very many teams in the ncaa um like men's volleyball uh beach volleyball uh, water polo, things like that, where like if you have a program, you're already kind of up there. And if you have the program and you have the money to invest in it, and maybe you're in uh, a rare talent-rich place where people play volleyball um, and water polo just for fun, uh, it, it works out really well, and you win all sorts of titles. But a WC it doesn't have any sort of niche sport like that that they can call to where they get a bunch of you know titles um but uh it, it it's it, it's just nice to have you know teams that you know, that are fun to root for especially the teams that that are harder to follow um it's hard to follow the tennis team like it's just, you just you just have to read the press releases that come right. out you know the wsu cougars.com coverage of it and so, you know, just see, and I know they had a, I remember they had a really good start to the season. They were, uh, you know, hadn't, lo- hadn't lost as a team in a, in a quite a while. And then, and then you kind of lose track of them. And then, and then you see they get picked to the tournament and that's kind of how it goes. And it, it, gives you a little, it gives you a little tinge of pride. And, uh, it goes back to like I was talking about with the baseball, you know, you, you get that pride from when the team and it's fun. And I just, I'd love it to be back. And, uh, here's to it being back
1: yeah in
0: two years two years that's what you did in new mexico so new mexico state so two years
1: you know what fuck that i expect next year
0: next year national championship in baseball
1: that's right or that's bus. what i that's back to omaha
0: back to omaha win at omaha or you're, <laughs> or you're fired that's what that's in the contract that's right. Contract null and void if you don't win a national title right. in the first year. That's all. That's, that's actually in Kyle Smith's contract too. They didn't talk about <laughs> it. We
1: we expect only greatness at Washington State. We will accept nothing less.
0: Yeah, we we need to change the mentality here.
1: That's right. Mentality. Can be changed. little brother anymore? The mentality has been changed.
0: <laughs> all right. Um. Yeah. So we're just gonna have to come up with WSC shit to talk about um we got some uh stuff planned i hope is hope will come to fruition because i think it'd be quite fun um for everyone uh but yeah so uh that may be our last um fun wsu news to talk about for two months uh but and then it's just going to be like football practice reports uh, so <laughs> I'm not sure how fun those are <laughs> But uh, yeah no uh, uh yeah so uh you know, Jeff, uh, we haven't done many politics segments lately, and I don't even know if this is politics. or. That's
1: probably why our listenership keeps going up, because yeah. we're not doing things like calling the president a racist anymore.
0: Yeah, but uh, we 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 couldn't let this one go by without comment. For sure. So, So this is from a Department of Energy press release. This is not fake news. This is not spin from a like someone misheard an interview and misinterpreted it. Um, I'll just read a few choice sentences uh, uh, from a press release entitled advances commitment to U.S. jobs, economic growth, clean energy, which just kind of is a weird. Yeah. OK, that's a subheading. Department of Energy authorizes additional LNG exports from Freeport LNG. Um, So this is um, offering additional. Uh, natural gas exports. Um, Increasing export capacity from the Freeport LNG project is critical to spreading freedom gas throughout the world by giving America's allies a diverse and affordable source of clean energy. Uh, That's right. It's not natural (laughs) gas anymore. It's freedom gas. Freedom gas. Oh, and it gets better. Um, In a quote uh, farther down... um, from this is from the uh Freeport LNG uh oh no this is undersecretary of uh undersecretary of energy Mark Menezes Menezes Meneses No um uh, he says I'm pleased the department of Air- the department of energy is doing what it can to promote an efficient regulatory system that that allows for molecules of US freedom to be exported to the world. Molecules of U.S. freedom. Uh, which are, of course, referring to molecules of natural gas. Which are U.S. freedom in its smallest, most, this essence. <laughs>
1: the essence of freedom.
0: <laughs> so this is just some straight up, like... Uh... This is just like we're not even pretending just straight up nonsense propaganda stuff. Like
1: you know like, what though? Like this is not it's not like this is I, I mean obviously this is sort of the most like flagrant example of it to where we we all laugh, right? I mean this this is like back when
0: like I you don't know, even think the most fer- like I don't know like the most fervent patriot like still would probably roll his eyes at at like reading that. Like, are you serious? I don't know,
1: man. I'm old enough to remember freedom fries.
0: Yeah. God.
1: Are are you old enough to remember freedom fries, Craig?
0: Yes, I am.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I mean, it's just this sort of freedom
0: fries is, was like, that was, that was changing a name because people were mad at, at, france for not supporting a war right right But this is just like taking a normal name of something that no one was like disputing yeah and just like putting freedom in there yeah freedom yeah no it's not natural gas freedom
1: also carbon dioxide is freedom molecules
0: yeah yeah freedom molecules carbon dioxide um every time you drive your car I mean, think about it. If, if you want to be putting out the most molecules of US freedom,
1: the most you amount get of freedom,
0: gas guzzling ass car, nothing built after like 1960, <laughs> like it's got, it's got to be getting like four miles to the gallon and you got to be like gutting that thing off of stoplights. You got to be going 90 on the freeway. It, I mean, it probably wouldn't be able to, but right. But uh, but yeah, you just uh, you gotta get as many molecules of U.S. freedom into the air, you know. But really, like, how patriotic are cows? Like all the molecules of U.S. freedom.
1: That's right. That's they're US very freedom. patriotic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's I mean, it's 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 just it's like comical. Like Just I just think about how many people reviewed this press release. And they were like, "Yes, yes, L- let's use freedom gas and molecules of U.S. freedom. Um, that that that's perfectly fine. Maybe they thought people like us will spread it around and talk about it. I have no like. <laughs> I, I I still I don't really know what this is, and I don't I don't. It's they're import they're exporting they're allowing for exporting more natural gas. Okay, um, I don't." That's not what matters to me in this press release. What matters to me is the molecules that this is like just completely ridiculous and embarrassing. Like, you, the this is from the Department of Energy, it's a dot gov address, It's, it's an official government press release, and it uses these ridiculous. Yeah. statements and and the government like it's particularly with like the naming of bills can get pretty ridiculous and how they name things but this is but that's usually in in the spirit of creating some acronym um, yes but, like but this is just like ridiculous yeah. this is just taking it to another level
1: i uh, you know like, the thing is that this is not i mean this is actually pretty pretty on brand for the decisions they've been making and I know it's ridiculous. I mean like we're laughing at the ridiculousness of it. So so I get that. I'm not saying it's not ridiculous. Um but I am saying like I mean even recently you can look at a at at a list of things that are sort of in this same vein. Okay? So we've got the, this is ridiculous. I mean freedom molecules and whatever, right? But You know, I was listening to uh, the New York Times does a, does a daily podcast called oddly enough, the daily. And, uh, you know, and they did, they did a, a show recently on, um, the climate change report that was put out by the government's own scientists. Okay. So they do this like once, I think they said it was something like once every four years. And, um, and so the government put out this, this extensive report, which basically said we're all doomed right and it came out and and so the trump administration and by by law they are mandated to uh to publish it and make it available so they put it out on black friday i don't know if you remember this but they they put it out on black friday and it's um and so they kind of tried to, to hide it as best they could by putting it out on black friday while everybody was out shopping and so they've got this law that, um, says they have to, they have to do this thing, you know, every, every few years or whatever. And so what they've decided now for the next one is that they are going to, they can't not do one, but what they can do is institute regulations, right? So this is the, like the how laws are carried out, right? So what they did was they instituted a policy and a regulation that said, okay, rather than looking at, you know, climate change, um, I want to say something like 60 to 80 years into the future as they try to kind of figure out, okay, where are we heading? Right. They limited it. And I want to say that the policy now limits the projections to maybe like 30 years or 20 years, something like that. I mean, something very short, comparatively speaking. And so what they've done is they've just said, no, you're not allowed to project beyond that. Because, well, we just we just don't know. Right. So we're, we're just going to leave out that part of the science. We're just going to leave out that part of the projection because that's the part that looks really bad. Right. Well, what's it going to look like in 20 years? OK, fine. You know what I mean? And so it's like so you sort of change the narrative by eliminating Some of the basically some of the science. Right. And then, you know, one of the you know, one of our writers, Brian Anderson, you know, posted on Slack today that the Trump administration is looking to reclassify some of the extremely, extremely, extremely radioactive waste at Hanford that is high, high, high risk, bad, 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 bad radioactive waste into uh, eh, not so bad radioactive waste, we can just leave it down there and we don't have to clean it up anymore. Just by like giving it a new name, right? Re- we're going to reclassify it into a lower risk. We're just going to say, not that it is lower risk, we're just going to call it lower risk and now we don't have to clean it up anymore. And it'll save us like $40 billion. It's like, you can't just wish this stuff away. Right. You can't just give it a new name and all of a sudden, oh, carbon dioxide isn't bad because now we call them freedom molecules. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like it's still bad. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's depressing because it's like we're all you know, we're all going to pay for this. We're all going to pay the piper at some point on all this stuff. And. You know, I, I know that all the old white guys making all these these rules right now and coming up with all these names right now are going to be dead before any of this stuff happens. But unlike them, I actually care about my children and I'd like them to be able to live on an inhabitable planet. Well, yes, so there you know,
0: I, I did my good deed with our brand new car that we bought, which is already uh, not the best for the environment. But um, uh, we, we, we just get to feel morally superior because we bought a hybrid <laughs> and it gets 44 miles to the gallon it's a it's but but it's it's tempered by the fact that we bought the RAV4 which is bigger and more gas guzzling we could have bought like we wanted all wheel drive car we could have bought a prius that got about 10 miles more to the gallon uh but um i'm a big motherfucker and i'm tired we've been driving a mazda yes you th- are <laughs> we're driving a mazda 3 that we bought brand new in 2009 and we still have it we didn't trade it in. We wanted a second car, um, so we bought a Mazda 3 in 2009. I've been driving that Mazda 3. Uh, it's got uh, 100 and I don't know 55,000 miles on it. I've probably driven it for at least 100 of the 100 of the 155. So uh, Mazda 3s are not big. Um, so man, I am uh, loving that Rav 4. It drives itself. It gives you a score at the end of every, which I love. It gives you a score on your on your eco driving. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, it, and it, and it literally like,
1: does it, it wait? Does it, does it give you, does it give you a number or does it give you a letter grade? Cause I think it'd be great it gives if it you it a, number. a letter grade. It Aww. gives you a number, but, the, but it'd be if, but so the great number, if you like pulled but, in, it was like D plus. The, the number has a <laughs> different
0: shit. color based on your score. Okay. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I remember, uh, Amanda drove to a place and I drove back. And she was getting better gas mileage on the way there because it does a little gas mileage thing, which you can believe or not. But I, I would wonder why they would lie about it. Cause you could so easily check it. You could just like be like, I put 10 gallons in and I got this many miles, but your thing said it was, I was getting this and that's wrong. So I feel like that would, they, they, they it's in their best interest to make that accurate, at least mostly accurate, but the, the little, um, which most cars have new cars have now that tells you the miles per gallon you're getting. Right. Um, but, uh. But yeah, like, so she got better than me on the way back, but she got an eco score of like 65 and I got an eco score of like 85. Well, you so are I just had, clearly supporting your drive. I am, I am a better liberal because I am burning sure. less, I am releasing less freedom molecule, molecules of freedom into the air. Um, I'm trying to <laughs> minimize my molecules of freedom um, and and just ensure that the air has more, I don't know uh socialist uh atoms or something um i but but I, I, I just you know that's that's just what we try to do mostly we just wanted to pay less in gas we're not we're not that yeah we're, we're uh, we are we are uh you know e- we we know the um results of our actions we just haven't been great at uh, changing them yet you know because i think the real thing would be just not driving your car so much. But that would be that would I, I have like I have uh, I do travel like my my big uh, contribution to uh freedom molecules is in uh the many many miles I have flown in the past few years um for work uh but I am doing that quite a bit less this year so you know yeah. I'm
1: That's sorry that is That's- a hugely a hugely under appreciated source of greenhouse gases like i don't think people really I, I don't think most people really have any clue how uh h- how much uh airplanes uh major commercial jets put off with all the flights that they make
0: yeah um yeah it's a should. huge one yeah so is apparently yeah. um eating steak so
1: apparently yeah i'll never stop doing that though
0: yeah 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 I, I, uh, yeah
1: I'm not I'm really good, good at available. I'm really good
0: at feeling guilty, so I can do things and feel guilty about them and just keep doing them so um i I just like live a life of guilt, so just you can throw more guilt at me and I'll just be like, okay, yeah, man, I should go vegan and I'll really lower my carbon footprint, but God, I love this hamburger
1: yeah have you have you tried any of the the new yes yeah, so based, i haven't like impossible haven't, burger or any of those i haven't
0: tried the impossible burger but i've tried the beyond burger okay and how it, was it 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 so it 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 nails pretty well like the texture and everything um but it just tastes like a shitty burger like a, a shit like, a, like a, a low quality burger basically okay and they, they're usually more expensive than yeah. the other burgers so so like if you're just like uh, yeah, uh, Amanda had bought one when we were. She had wanted to try one, but yeah, um, I've heard the Impossible Burger is uh, better than the Beyond Burger, so yeah, You should try it. Like, I, they're definitely like, they're a lot better than the old black bean burgers and and things like that, you know. Um, in, in terms of emulating the experience yeah. of eating a hamburger, um, I'm but,
1: 100% willing to try that. Yeah, like, and I'm it's, not, it's, it's I'm not, not opposed that bad. to that i i don't know that there will ever be a substitute like for a if, you know you, for a steak or something like, but like
0: if you like steak and you like that the beefy fat flavor you're you're just not gonna get that no, from no. from uh in there, no matter what they because they're mostly trying to match the texture right and they've done a really good job like i listen
1: that. yeah i listen to uh I think it was Freakonomics, Freakonomics podcast. They, they talked with one of the developers of these alternative plant-based meats, meats in quotation marks. Right. Um, and just sort of everything that went into developing it from texture to color you know they put a little bit of the whatever the the thing is from the the hemo whatever um, that makes it red um to put that in there so that it actually you know looks like meat like anyway it was it was pretty fascinating. so I don't know anybody who's interested in that. Um, i don't know there's a freakonomics podcast it was very good and uh you can learn about all the all the research and the science that went into these these plant-based meats and i would i would do it for a burger i i like i said i don't think i'd do it for a steak there's well, just something you can't meant, substitute
0: but. I, yeah they're just not gonna i don't think they would even try it. that's one thing you've never seen the vegans uh do a substitute with like like uh, it's funny, you know. I, I have I have vegan friends, and they'll they'll share pictures of their food, and they look like the normal food. But I'm like, I know that it's
1: not like I know right. that's
0: made out of soy or whatever. Like, right. Uh, but but like you've never seen a steak because it's like there's like it's just like impossible, <laughs> to, right? To uh like I don't know. And the funny thing you mentioned the the uh the kind of emulating the blood juices or it's not blood, but it's whatever whatever right. it is, but, um, they, uh, I, I, I've seen some from vegan friends that like, they don't like that aspect of, cause they're like, I don't eat meat that I don't desire that like blood dripping, like look. And so that it kind of turns them off of those burgers a little bit. Yeah. Um, but they obviously do like the, that they exist because, um, uh, every vegan wants everyone else to be a vegan. So, um, I, I will say I did have some friends in Vermont that, uh, did not like they were like these closet vegans. Like I, 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 I'd known them for a long time before I even realized it, you know, cause you can just be around people and they're ordering like a veggie dinner and you're just thinking like, Oh, maybe they're just like on a diet or maybe they just don't feel like eating steak tonight or a burger or whatever, you know, which is fine. You know, uh, you shouldn't eat that stuff every day anyway, but, but how, how do I want to, um, but yeah, uh yeah, so uh maybe you know, we can change though, Jeff. We can change as humans. Um We can. Uh so I had a I had a prompt for you this week. Yeah. And I and I gave you all of maybe the last hour to think about it while also talking about other things. Yeah. Um I haven't
1: thought that much about it, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> so
0: on the topic of changing, um Maybe you can think of something. Think back to junior high or, or high school, something that you just loved, that you were so into. And what got me thinking about this is like I've seen a lot of on Facebook, like people talk about what's the first album you bought, or what's, you know, what what what's like the the album you've listened to the most in your life or something. So it got me thinking about like like albums, that, like stuff I listened to in when I was like 14 or 15 things that I was super into when I was like 14 or 15 that are just like not a part of my life and haven't been for quite a while. And so I was thinking I, I could do mine first, but I wanted to see if you had one.
1: Yeah. So, well, I can, I definitely can all, I can tell you the first CD I ever bought that was uh licensed to ill by the beastie boys. Oh, very nice. That was definitely the first one. I don't even
0: remember, uh, I'm sure it was that Sam Goody, because the, they would let me buy the, uh, even though I was under 17, they would buy the explicit lyrics ones. <laughs> Sam Goody and the Yakima Mall. Rest in peace, Yakima
1: Ooh, Mall. Yeah, yeah um, rest in peace, Sam Goody.
0: Yeah, rest in peace of both those. Rest in peace, all of
1: that. And CDs.
0: <laughs> and CDs. And CDs, <laughs>
1: just, just all of it. Just all of it. Rest in peace to all of it. Um, no. So like one thing I distinctly remember loving. So, so your original prompt was, you know, when I was 14. So I was trying to think back to when I was 14. So I was 14 in the, in the very early nineties. So that would be like 91, 92. Um, and so, you know, as I was thinking back to then the things I really, really loved back then. Um, and and it's not, it's nothing that sort of makes me cringe now or anything like that, but I, I, I sort of chuckle at it. Um, I really, really, really loved in loving in, in loving in living color, which some people might remember was oh uh, yeah yeah the comedy sketch show on Fox uh, featured you know the way Jim Carrey and all the Wayans brothers and uh, man I loved that show more than Fireman
0: Fireman Bob is that it was
1: yeah Fire Marshal Bill
0: Fire Marshal Bill
1: Fire Marshal Bill
0: I was so close
1: let me show you something let me show you something. Um, I'm going to stick this fork right here in this outlet. See what happens. Let me show you something. Um, yeah, no, like I loved it. And, and so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you have to be, I, I think a couple things you have to be of a certain age to sort of appreciate, um, what it meant to have, you know, some sort of appointment viewing, uh, to watch a show or something like that. You know, obviously today you don't, you don't have to do anything like, you know, tonight I watched, you know, the sounders on the DVR, like it's just whatever. And so, you know, it's, but back then it was, you know, it's, you know, early nineties. Um, you know, if you wanted to watch it, you had to either watch it when it happened or record it on the VCR. And that was the one show we had a fairly, so at 14, you know, you're, you're, you're freshman in high school or whatever. Um, pretty tight you know bedtime in my house still when I was fourteen, so um, you know I had to be going to bed at like eight. Well, Living Color came on at eight, and uh, that was the one night a week I was allowed to stay up for an extra half an hour uh, to watch to watch something on TV. And and I love that show. And I look back now and it was so like you know it was just it was so the nineties, right? And it was just you know. Oh man, yeah. Um, you know, and I just sort of, you know, all the, you know, some of the the sketches they had and, and some of it was so edgy at the time, you know, you had the, uh, I, I remember, you know, the men on film show, which was the public access, uh, show with the, with the two, uh, gay men reviewing movies, you know? And it was like, that was so like, just nobody, you know, SNL wouldn't touch that sort of thing, um, you know, they're just, and then Jim Carrey was allowed to be himself. It just, yeah, really great show, and 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 I just look back now and I kind of chuckle because it was it was such a big deal, um, big deal to me, and and sort of like a, I think a, a bit of a cultural touchstone. So, um, so yeah, that's something I think back on that that sort of makes me laugh.
0: Just a random thought. Uh, do you remember um, uh, the movie that the the movie that Marlon Wayans was in uh, where he played for uh, the UW basketball team, and his like brother died and was a ghost helping the team. Oh my win. gosh,
1: yes, I remember that.
0: I don't even remember what it was called, but I remember as a kid, I was like, This is cool, that's like you know, that's like a a, a team from Washington before I was a Coug. But yeah, I think you would have been a you probably would have been at WSU by then. Uh, okay,
1: hold on, I'm looking it up, so keep talking.
0: Yeah, so I remember yeah that that movie it was like but i remember and i i was very young um when living color was out but my parents are pretty young because they had me in their early 20s so they watched a lot of kind of like they watched the real world on mtv when i was growing up and they watched in living color so i remember watching like in living color when i was like eight or nine and 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 like i remember the you know jim carrey and the waynes brothers and stuff and they had quite a they had quite a career after that. All, all of the, like all, quite a few people from that show did. Um, but yeah, that, but yeah, that, that movie st- stuck out to me. Like, it's just funny that they chose, uh, Washington of all schools. Um, I remember the uniforms were kind of off. Like they kind of like made their own, they took like the colors, but kind of did their own sort of, uh, uniforms. Um, but they win the national championship. Um, and, uh, after the, uh, it's kind of like angels in the outfield after, after the ghost brother had helped him all season, uh, Marlon Wayans shoots a, uh, Gordon Hayward esque half court shot for the win and it bounces up off. And, uh, I remember he mouths to his brother who is in ghost form above, let it go. Like, just let, let me do this on my own, even though he's like helped him the entire season. Like, like, like oh now I'm above this. Like,
1: now you're going to uh, now, now that
0: you've got me on the brink. I'll I'll go I'll go with the odds whether now or not I'll have I might conscience. win the title on this on this one one. But uh yes he lets it go and it goes in, uh you know Kawhi Leonard style, not not like uh not like Gordon Hayward it goes in, and uh and and U Dub Black wins the national championship in basketball in that movie.
1: So the name of the movie is The Sixth Man. Weirdly enough, (laughs) right? Very creative name. Uh, And here's the synopsis. Antoine and Kenny Tyler are NCAA college basketball players, and Antoine is the star of the team. Suddenly, Antoine dies of a heart attack, and Kenny has to fill his shoes as leader of the team. Sometime later, Antoine returns as a ghost and helps Kenny in-game and in life. But Kenny changes in the process and doesn't quite like it.
0: So um, uh, Amanda and I like to do a thing when we're when we're seeing previews at a movie to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score will be for that movie. Yeah, so just based on the synopsis. What do you think the Rotten Tomato? There's and given there's only thirteen reviews on the Rotten Tomatoes. This is the uh, critic score. Yeah. Um, what what would you guess the Rotten Tomatoes score would be? I don't know how familiar you are with Rotten Tomatoes. I, I I'm
1: familiar. Uh, I'm gonna go thirteen percent.
0: Twenty three percent, but like oh, I said, so it was it's only thirteen reviews. If you give it more reviews, I'm sure eventually that it thing might could drop work that its far way down to thirteen <laughs> percent. <laughs> uh,
1: that's funny. By the way, do you know who played? Uh, so, so uh, Marlon Wayans played uh, Kenny Tyler. Do you know who played Antoine Tyler?
0: Well, I'm looking at it right now because I was like, oh, well now head. you know. But the. The very famous Kadeem Hardison.
1: Yeah, A Different World.
0: Oh, Kadeem Hardison. I remember
1: him from A Different World, by the way, because I'm a
0: child of the 90s. His highest rated Rotten Tomatoes movie is a great movie uh, with uh, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. And apparently he was all about basketball. It was White Men Can't Jump. Oh. What would you think what do you think the rotten tomato score for white men can't
1: jump is? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna go seventy percent. Ooh, man, seventy six. Oh,
0: it's close. Pretty good. That's close. Good. The the problem with Amanda and I in our game is that we never uh like record the scores that we say. <laughs> so like we're always like what did we say that one was like i don't ever remember That's <laughs> so funny. we we need to although we go to movies much much less often together now because yeah. yeah. you know the whole baby thing um yeah. but uh but anyway so i guess uh for my answer now that we've gone on that very long tangent so when i was in uh when i was like 13 14 i got really into the new metal It's N-U with, like, the dots. Uh Uh
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: So so one of my... Well, definitely my favorite album when I was 14 was Slipknot's uh, self-titled debut LP uh, and uh, uh, featuring um, uh, such lines as Fuck it all, fuck this world, fuck everything that you stand for, don't belong, don't give, it, don't exist, don't give a shit, and don't ever judge me. Which is uh, what, was one of my favorite lines uh, when I was 14, when I was a little angsty teenager with no friends who just played video games in my room and listened to uh, Slipknot's self-titled album on repeat. And because I, what made me think of that, and I, I like probably after the age of 17, like never listened to that album again. And there's some things I still listen to, like uh, there's an album by Finch called What It Is to Burn that I came out when I was like 17. And I still listen to that, like to this day. But uh, 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 that Slipknot album. Yeah. So so today when I was thinking about it, I fired it up this morning. I only got a few songs in and then I had to do something else. But, uh, you know, I still knew like most of the words. Because I have listened to that album probably thousands of times. Like it was just in my CD changer, like my six disc CD player or whatever. Um, and uh, but it was just on repeat all the time, all the time. Slipknot. And uh, like I went to, I saw Slipknot a couple times while I was in high school. Like so, like I was just so into Slipknot. I had, I went, I, I did a a one week at school, uh, where I had enough Slipknot T-shirts. To where I could wear a Slipknot t-shirt every single day to class for school. And some of them were like definitely wow. not appropriate. But I was such like a, a highly regarded student. I could get away with shit with the with the <laughs> teachers. I, I, I had a shirt that said. I had My, my, my wonderful dad uh, when I was 14 took me and my cousins to OzFest. And that was one of the times I saw Slipknot. And uh, I bought a shirt at it. That you know, it was like the concert shirt, and on the back, uh, above the the dates listed, it said the greatest fucking show on the planet, or something, the greatest fucking show in the world, or something like fucking spelled out. And I would wear that to school, and I never got in trouble.
1: Like, I never got in trouble with that. Literally- <laughs> you would not have gotten away with that in my class. I just need you to know that <laughs> that would definitely not have happened.
0: Yep. Yeah, so I wore I wore it to school. I, I'm sure I, I probably wore that shirt like at least half a dozen times to school oh, like, my just gosh. to test it out
1: just to see who would say something
0: yeah yeah and, they like, never I, did, huh? and no one ever did like oh, no one God. ever did i, I, I guess bigger
1: fish to fry they probably had bigger fish to fry
0: oh yeah yeah they definitely did like they're like craig is not fucking you know, they're like we're not worried
1: about that we're gonna worry about the guy over here selling weed yeah yeah <laughs>
0: yeah so uh greatest fucking show on the planet slipknot self-tied album go ahead and listen to it if you uh want a little yelling and um and screaming uh it's 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 like in terms of like metal it's pretty poppy so there's like some pretty poppy riffs to it um it's kind of like faux satanic like it's not really like it's like like it's like the uh pg well it's definitely not pg-13 there's it's just like there's like a thousand f-bombs in that and every other cuss word and whatever and talking about hurting people and hurting yourself and whatever. But, but yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah. So I was thinking like, I used to listen to the fuck out of that album and like they were my most favorite band. And, and that was my most favorite album in the, in the world for like maybe like a year and a half. And then I just like, I don't know. I just like stopped listening to like that, to like that genre of music, really, and, and then uh, and just kind of like, cause I was really into like corn, um, and then uh, until they they had this one album that I did not like. Uh, it was the one after the one that was really popular. I don't, I don't even remember the names of them anymore. Um, but yeah, but uh, but Slipknot, um, self-titled album. I even had it um, as the uh, the alarm uh, for me every morning to go to school. But uh, um, yeah, you remember the six, the, the stacked CD changer, the six that so oh, like, yeah. were stacked. So they would kind of do this like moving thing out and you could hear the trays moving around. So I would always just wake up to the trays moving, <laughs> like because I would set the yeah. alarm, like you could set the the CD player to have an alarm, and but I would just wake up to the sound of the trays moving, and there's just this like the start of the album is just like this kind of like, um, kind of like uh, woman's sound saying like, like now, Mister, I think it's sick, and so it would just like it would say that. Like and so I wouldn't even like wake up to like any music. It would be like waking up to the tray and then waking up to this like woman's voice. <laughs> but I but I but I really wanted to have Slipknot be my alarm, and so that's what I did. But, but but yeah, so that was uh yeah I don't have any of those. Uh, Jeff, do you know what uh, Slipknot fans are called? No, I don't. Yeah, it's probably passed your students by, so you probably don't see it. Probably, thing, but they're they're called
1: maggots. No, I did not know that.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I was a I was a proud maggot.
1: <laughs> Way to go! Yeah, congratulations. But now, you know.
0: <laughs> and then, and then, like in my early twenties, I got really into like fucking indie folk rock,
1: <laughs> and so like I, like
0: I couldn't go farther
1: away. <laughs> like I just that's pretty far away yeah (laughs) yep yep that's pretty far away
0: i just went to um i was stoked because a band a portland band called who had some sort of you know national fame and but they uh they called blitz and trapper oh um, yeah i know
1: blitz and trapper and
0: and they uh they played a show and i found out the day before and they played a show at the new mcmenemans uh place which is pretty cool in tacoma um and they have a they have a concert facility there and and so, uh, I was able to go, um, they're doing, it was like, like, I probably like was really in Blizzard business like 10 years ago at this point. And so, uh, it's another one of those bands I don't listen to quite as much anymore, but probably more recent enough that I still will throw an al- the album on, on the old, uh, you know, whatever service, uh, once in a while. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, I uh, actually discovered them, Jeff, which you may have too, through Chuck. Yep. Uh, the TV show.
1: Yep. 100%. Yep.
0: Yep, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so I was able to see them about ten years after uh, I was super into them, and it was great, great show. I was so excited, um, but definitely not um, a little bit different than a Slipknot. Like, I think if I went to a Slipknot concert now, I would uh, hang <laughs> you, hang in the back.
1: You might die. <laughs> yeah, I would just hang in the back with
0: uh, and uh, just kind of uh,
1: be like, "This is very loud. So, <laughs> hey." That all that bumping into each other you're doing up there looks very dangerous. Will you all be safe up there, please? Sir. There are children here. <laughs> I'm sorry, Can you, you do not language? appear You do not appear to have the proper ear protection here. I brought some extra earplugs. Why don't you put those in?
0: No but Jeff, do you know like what <laughs> slipknot looks like when they're performing and stuff? I uh, no clue. Just just look up a picture, man.
1: It i mean there's got to be headbanging involved right no just
0: look up a picture of slipknot okay hold on i'm looking just see if you do it's like all there or no slip i did slipknot slipknot so that's why i did it but so slipknot so they wear these uh masks
1: okay so i see the masks
0: yeah. And so th- this is just like when they're total nightmare, like fuel. the lead singer, like sings in this fucking mask. And it's just like, I mean, they played as like a regular old band, but like and if you see them, like, yeah, it's just like uh, they they, all, they went by numbers like they all had numbers.
1: So it was, it was like, Craig, and there was I'm like, not going to be able to sleep tonight. now.
0: There was like I think there was like when I was listening to him, there was like nine members of the band. Like, it was just fucking just a goddamn mess. And it kind of sounds like it's not that like, like it is like you could see where they had like some pretty good commercial success because it's like a very approachable, like especially for like teenagers, a very approachable like metal. Like, it's like it's not that intimidating. You can understand the words he's saying, like he's screaming, but you can still like tell what he's saying and stuff. And so it's like. Yeah, and plus the masks, so they're very kind of like they have like a they have you know kind of a, a, a hook, like look we're we're weird, we have yeah. masks and we go by numbers and blah blah blah. And, um, but yeah, so uh, something well, I was obviously very, it worked. Very, yeah, something I was very very into when I was fourteen. I was listening to the album today. I don't hate it now. I laugh at some of the lyrics, um, but but I think like I like, I don't hate like the music that much, but like it's, and plus it's so, it's like nostalgic and I know it so well. Sure. It's like, it's not, I could still listen to it. Like if I had it on the car and you were listening to it, you're like, Craig, what the fuck are we listening to?
1: <laughs> but it is, I mean, but music's like that though. I mean, you know, obviously you sort of, you know, outgrew uh, a slipknot, but you know, for me it was always Pearl Jam. I haven't outgrown that. And you know, so there are still songs that come on and I'm like, transported back to 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, when I first heard those songs and I would just, you know, back when I had tapes, not CDs, but tapes, right. And I would listen, you know, and it's, so you don't get to like, listen to a thousand different songs. You just put the tape in and you listen to the tape, you know, over and over and over again, unless you had one of those, you know, really fancy tape decks where you could push the fast forward button and then it would actually pop back out at the end of the song. Right. Right. Did you ever Did you have one of those? No, I never had one of those. You had to be fancy to have one of those. And I just you know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, all these songs I listened to over and over and over again, because I didn't have, you know, eight thousand thousand ten billion songs at my fingertips, you know, that I could listen to at any time. Instead, I had my, you know, five tapes. Right. Whichever tape happened to be. And so I had my five Pearl Jam tapes or whatever. And I would just, you know, listen to the song and sing along and you'd learn all the words because, you know,
0: you just listen to it, so many, listen
1: to it so many times that you have no way of listening to it without eventually picking up the words. And so then you sing, you know, very loudly and very badly. And um, yeah. So, I mean, even today, you know, there are certain, certain things I listen to that still, whenever, you know, the original, um, you know, like original studio recording of a song from like, you know, 10 or something like that comes on, I'm still thinking like, or live, which is still my favorite song. I'm like, yeah, it's like, I just like, I remember, you know, like 25 years ago, like it was yesterday. It's very bizarre and makes me feel very old.
0: But there's another one like, uh, Metallica Reload. Oh yeah, when i I was uh, 12 yeah and uh i still had my super nintendo and i would play uh super mario world i have very distinct memories of playing super mario world while playing metallica reload like while listening to metallica reload like i like i have i connect the two like like if i see a reference to one or the other like i i like they they're related to each other for me and for uh For a slipknot, it'd probably be like a triple play baseball 2000 or something. I don't know. Like, I played a lot of that. Had Sammy Sosa on the cover. I remember still.
1: I do remember being into it, into uh, Metallica a bunch too when I was like freshman, sophomore, and I got into like old school Metallica. So, you know, I'd listen to one, you know, and over and over again. And yeah, that was, that was, that was my, uh, my uh that that was definitely that one was a phase that one was definitely a phase that was me and some football teammates and we were all very bad at football and, but we thought we were good and but you gotta get pumped up that's right we got super pumped up listening to you know listening to one and
0: i remember my dad yeah. would tell me that uh james hetfield he only screams he doesn't even sing and i'd be like <laughs> shut up
1: dad you, you don't know, they're know they're what you're talking about they're amazing they're best yeah.
0: yeah it's the best music they d- <laughs> d- just don't know Slipknot's right. the best musicians i know the best.
1: well and the funny thing was like it definitely got worse from there too because i have distinct memories of of going to fraternity parties and having limp biscuit nookie on
0: oh god well that wasn't even like <laughs> limp biscuit uh, i did it all
1: for the nookie craig
0: limp biscuits first album with the cover of uh george michael faith i was all about that my uh woodstock uh 99 my uh the last one although they're talking about doing another one uh, in uh um but it's, it's i think it's gonna be i mean there's so many festivals now it probably won't really stand out that much yeah um but uh but yeah uh, woodstock 99 uh my uh my cousins uh their mom let them buy the pay-per-view uh for um for uh uh woodstock 99 and so they had they just recorded on video cassette everything that we liked like in uh, uh, this olympic biscuit yeah, i remember that very distinctly their performance out. and they were they were the, they were like encouraging people to burn stuff and like all this, like some of the, like this the black marks on in woodstock ninety nine and there was like you know like all these angry bands because there were so many angry bands out by then right so it was just like not a peace love festival like all the popular bands in the in the, in, in in certain genres of rock were like just angry and screaming and that's what was uh, big but i remember i just like watching woodstock ninety nine recorded on tapes like over and over and over again and 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 then there was obviously like certain parts where the camera would catch a girl flashing and we had those memorized and like of course yeah 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 so it was uh it was just somebody like now like i don't even know like you can like watch coachella on twitter or whatever (laughs) like it's it's crazy like the difference now but and there's so many like huge festivals that are just like Woodstock because even Woodside that I think they're having a Woodstock like maybe this year.
1: Oh dear. Yeah, that would make like, sense though. I mean, it's 50 years later. Yeah.
0: It's, yeah 50 years later. Yeah. They're doing it. It's in, it's in, uh, in August and, and like the lineup just looks like your standard three day, uh, uh, music festival lineup. Like, you know, uh, Coachella or, you know, the former Sasquatch, Or uh, uh, Bonnaroo down in Tennessee, Um, you know, there's just like a lot of festivals like this now. I think the Lollapalooza is just a one-day thing or a one-weekend thing now, and it's a three-day festival. But yeah, it's just like it's a lot of famous bands. But it's just like, yeah, these are the uh, standard festival circuit bands. You know, you got, I mean, you got good bands in there. But um, and I think they tried to get some, you know, more, you know, kind of older fans because they got john fogarty robert plant uh, david crosby Ooh, uh yeah like there's some you know they got they got some nostalgia ones in there too but you know they also have miley cyrus oh they have Santana. santana but he's been like pretty relevant at least in the well maybe since woodstock
1: 99 (laughs) holy shit man i'm looking at this lineup good
0: yeah but Dude, just look at the Coachella lineup or look at the Bonnaroo lineup. It's, like, exactly the same.
1: It might be, but I'm still, like, th- this is, like, right up my alley, dude. Like, the Killers, the Lumineers, the Raconteurs. Nathaniel, I would love to see the Killers, yeah. Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Suits. I'm seeing them at Marymoor in August. Actually, not – actually, right before this.
0: I saw I saw Edward Sharp and the Ma- – I got really into Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros when we lived in Nashville. And they played at a festival at Vandy. And they were just, like, so stoned. They had, like, a 45-minute set. And they played... Like, their their album had, like, six good songs on it. And I swear they knew it. And they only played those six songs in, like, 45 yeah. minutes. And they were not nine-minute, you know, like, long songs. They were just stretching them out, right. being really stoned. It was, like, one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a pretty good, pretty good lineup. But, yeah. Uh, you think now, like... I think there was probably a lot more bands at even Woodstock 99 than this, uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. there's probably a lot more bands that aren't listed on the uh, thing, you know, a lot of littler bands and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's possible. There's a lot of little bands listed here, though.
0: Oh, apparently the Black Keys uh, were going to perform, but they're no longer available due to a scheduling contact. That is just listed right underneath the, the schedule. Whoops. Um, but uh, I, I, it'll be interesting. It probably won't be like the mess that uh, 99 was because like there's people that are like pros at, at doing these festivals now.
1: I don't know, man. It seems like there must be something going on with this because on the front page of the Woodstock thing it says, To the more than 100,000 of you who have responded to our situation with support and solidarity, a heartfelt thank you. And they're still not selling tickets. And it's two months away. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tickets on sale soon.
0: <laughs> I mean, we we might get a fire festival. I know. I just yeah. <laughs> that, this might Can't be wait. A, another Can't fire wait for festival. That Netflix doc doc and the competing Woodstock food 50. Doc. Netflix yeah. doc.
1: Oh my gosh. Like
0: none of these artists are actually signed up. No. Nope. Jay Z's like what? <laughs>
1: But you can uh, pre-order the uh, 50th anniversary uh, edition of the uh, of the concert program.
0: <laughs> you can
1: pre-order that
0: you get a concert. Pre- hey, that'd be even better if it never
1: happened. <laughs> it's the like... official music book for 59.98. What? <laughs> yeah, it's by some guy named Michael Lang. Haven't you ever heard of him?
0: Oh, of course.
1: You also can get the definitive 50th anniversary archive which includes the book plus 38 CDs plus a Blu-ray disc for $799.98.
0: That's the one right there. I'm already, I'm bargain. buying it right now. I mean, I'm, I'm a, on here.
1: It's a bargain. Yeah. You also can get a Woodstock 50th anniversary indigo twill cap for 26.95 or or you can get a Peace and Love metal lunchbox for 16.50. That that sounds that, that's kind of up my alley
0: nothing says oh wait peace pint, and love. Glass,
1: like, pint glass 15 bucks
0: 15 bucks nothing says peace and love like rampant commercialism
1: oh absolutely for sure i mean craig how dare you are you suggesting that their motives are anything other than altruistic that they want to do anything other than simply uh you know, celebrate the music and the and the cultural moment that was Woodstock.
0: I am suggesting that. But I do like those shirts. Those are pretty
1: You're cool. so cynical. You're so cynical.
0: Don't eat the brown acid shirt that they're selling <laughs> for twenty five dollars.
1: Uh, twenty five. And it just says, by the way, it literally just says on the front of it, don't eat the brown acid. Like
0: it looks like it was made like by (laughs) hand for like 50 cents, but it's $25.
1: Yeah, but it's 25 bucks. Don't eat the brown acid.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this is (sighs) really podcasting and we have zero listeners left at this point. But if you do happen again to still Still be
1: around, (laughs) please,
0: please subscribe. Give us a five star rating on your preferred thing. Uh, Do it right now. Like you're listening, you got the phone in your hand. Just go, just click five and then say, like, uh, stop fucking talking about Woodstock, five stars. Uh, Something like that. Um, That's right. And then uh, uh, follow us on Twitter at pod versus e- pod, is it pod versus everyone that's I don't right. even ever know yeah. uh, follow me on twitter at the craig powers um uh jeff is mostly the pod twitter account yeah um, that's why you see it has some hot takes sometimes that's right um and then uh go ahead and if you have any comments questions disagreements uh, those I want the most. Uh, complaints. Yeah, I want come those. Come argue with us. Give me them complaints. Uh, go ahead and shoot those at the Twitter at Pod versus everyone or um, we can publicly shame you if you do it at Twitter, so please do that. Um, but but if you don't want to be publicly um, humiliated, uh, please send um, an email to podcastversuseveryone at gmail.com. Uh, we've gotten over two. Uh, listener emails so far um apparently saying an email address on a podcast is not a very good way of of delivering results so yeah just find find a way find us somewhere in one of the ways i listed uh send us a comment give us a good rating and and hey go kooks go kooks